it becomes part of the responsibility that it's on us also to do our best to help the next group because it is hard. It is hard to become an adult. It is hard to start a life. And I think it's even harder now. So I think by having a family unit of any type, and then even luckier if you had a community and to sort of fortify these people, and then they can go off and perpetuate these same ideas. Welcome to What I Meant to Say. I'm your host, Wendy Jones, and I'm here today with Gabby Reese, who in my world needs no introduction, but she's an entrepreneur, mom, former professional athlete, volleyball enthusiast, XPT owner, all the great things that I um, have loved and connected with for the last 30 years of my life. So I'm excited to have a conversation today with you. Um, Two women from the same generation. I I see a lot of conversations, you know, that are multi-generational, and I feel like there's so much that you and I have been through, through parenting, life, nutrition, relationships that we can break down today. So thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks, Wendy. Nice to see you. Yeah, you too. I came to XPT in 2017, and those are still some of my favorite pictures. The underwater, the the workouts, like that was really a breakout um, moment for me to just really learn how to lean into my own power and the things that we know that we learn about ourselves, you know, going through hard things. I saw a post that you put up a while back with, uh, you've been married for 28 years and you wrote about relationships and the things that make us stronger. And I wrote a blog last week on toxic masculinity and how I don't believe that it exists. So can we start there? Um, Cause you are yeah. a power couple, strong woman, strong man. How is it done? Somebody said um, there's a gentleman who wrote a book. Uh, he's from the Kippings Institute about um, from boys to men. He has three sons and toxic masculine masculinity was meant to be a specific definition. And he, what he said is like, it really should just be mature and immature masculinity. And I, I believe for the last several years that some, some systems that were in place, let's say even before birth control and some things that made it why probably men were in certain positions um, because women had a different biological responsibility. Um, And then a few bad apples, maybe some guys who there is an abuse of power turned this notion into, well, it's all bad. And the truth of the matter is, is I I think it's an essential part of civilization. And, and I believe women house masculinity as well. And so, and conversely, I think we've said that femininity means weakness, which I don't agree with either. So I, I find that we've gotten off track of what the definitions mean. I think it's just a description of a side of ourselves and, um, and then it's each person's first own responsibility. So in my case, again, I, I try really hard not to tell people, well, this is how it is, or this is how you should do it. In my situation, I, I've been with Laird for 28 years, like you stated, we've been married for uh, 26 years, is each person is showing up every day. And are there things naturally, it seems in our situation that he is naturally, certain things are easier for him. So for example, right now he's outside, uh, you know, digging a hole and clearing, chainsawing some hedges. Um, I sort of am managing certain things. So those would be representative of, oh, that's masculine, that's feminine. But really it's, it's sort of saying, hey, what are your strengths? What are my natural leanings? Can we bring those together and make our lives easier and better for each other? And now obviously for our children. Um, 
and not be afraid of that. I, I, I am enough in my own sort of feeling of independence and power to enjoy exploring my feminine side and in my work life and in my training life and other, I, I might slide over to the masculine side. So I, I think we, it's just yeah. easy. People, people, it's so easy for them to, to blame something and say, well, this is, must be why my life is, or if people have had a bad experience, which does happen if somebody's yeah. taken advantage, I understand, but I, I think we should encourage people if, if they, like if I, if I had sons, I would be like, you should develop your masculine traits if they feel interesting to you, because it could be a skill or a, a trait that you can bring to the world that's supportive of all of us. Absolutely. And I, you know, I do, I have two boys and two girls. I know you have three girls and I, I've started to have those conversations with my sons because, you, yeah. you know, men have a sensitivity to them in so many cases, right? I mean, they're such sensitive souls. I look at my boys and I see that and I talk about with them lately, just how important it is to be able to have that space. And I think that is another thing that comes into that relationship space is having that person where when something is hurting you or, or you're feeling a certain way to have someone to go to. Mm. And I think that's something beautiful that comes out of these relationships. But yeah, that, that, that ability to express yourself as a man is not, it, that's part of the healing process that keeps out the toxic. So, so to me, it's not toxic, it's unhealed, right? The things that, that can come up in that space. Yeah. And the, or they haven't been in dynamics where it was safe to be weak, right? So in a way, it's almost like you become a misogynist if you don't get to do a, a little of both. And I, and you see with hyper-masculine men, men in the military, men, firefighters, you know, I see it in Laird, where they, Laird is way more sensitive than I am and heartfelt than I am. And yes, he's more masculine. Yeah. So I know, I think it, it, it really gets twisted. And the other thing I want to grab onto there that you said was that, you know, it both sides exist in, in all of us, whether we're men or women, that masculine is, is in you and, and learning to balance that within yourself will allow you to lead from your strengths yeah. and be comfortable to let somebody else lead from theirs. It's not a competition. Well Right. And I, and that maybe that we should, those are the conversations as a, as a civilization, as a culture we should be having, which is how can we just show up as the best people and best versions of ourselves? And if you're a woman who's more feminine or has more masculinity or slides in and out, whatever that is, but it's like, what are the traits that yeah. are the best traits and, and, uh, and not be afraid if occasionally, uh, as a female, you, you say, Hey, I'm, I, you know, I'm, have, I'm dealing with my children. So I'm, I'm moving into this maternal role or, or what, what have you. And it isn't a weakness. And in, in fact, these Gosh, are, no. these are all strengths. Yeah, absolutely. And there, you know, there's something in that, I mean, in your household, you're, you're four women, four women and one man. So there's a lot of raising girls and I mean, I, I'm one of two girls, so, you know, my dad lived in a house full of women and, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to have that strong relationship from a dad to, to daughters and then creating that value system around, you know, the strength that comes in from around the table and the, and the things that you see your parents do for you that I, I'm in awe of just watching family systems and how that how that is contributing to the to the world we're living in today and 
I, I wonder, you know, how you see your your family breaking down, what you do in your family, and how it could add to, you know, what we're seeing in the world. Well, you know, listen, there. It's I didn't grow up in a in a two parent home. I mean, for a while, I wasn't living actually with either one of my parents from a very young age. There's something to be said for two different people with different perspectives and different ways that they would do it to be there to help rear a child. And having said that, if you're really fortunate, maybe you've got some grandparents or some, whether it's by blood or not, aunties and uncles or a community that can impact your children positively because we we're not yeah. we don't know everything. We fall short. And for our kids to be influenced by really great character um, people, I think is important because they're going to go out in the world. And hopefully the idea is, I guess, and I'm at that age where how do I not only try to be a good example, because that's really the most important thing. But then if I've learned anything at all, whatever that is, how do I how do I synthesize that and then give that to the people, the younger people in my life, maybe save them a little time, save them some headache. Of course, they're going to have their own lessons, whether they're my children or not. I think as we get older, it becomes part of the responsibility that it's on us also to do our best to help the next group because it is hard. It is hard to become an adult. It is hard to st start a life. And I think it's even harder now. So I think by having a family unit, of any type and then even luckier if you had a community and to sort of fortify these people and then they can go off and perpetuate these same ideas. And it doesn't mean we're the same and it doesn't mean we do it the same way or we're on the same journey. It just means that we're trying to work hard. We're trying to show up in our lives. Maybe we're, you know, we're sort of contributing whatever our gifts and talents are to our community. And if we can do that, I, I think that's really a good start. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. And I think we're kind of at a point too where you talked about community and I don't know if it's social media or the way the news is today, but we're all, there's a lot of trying to put people in their silos and give them a, give them a label. Right. And I have thought for so long, like we're all so much more than just one thing. And I see so much of these, this next generation being told like you are this, or you must identify as this, or you must be in this camp or you're not, or you don't belong, right? And do you have anything to say, you know, to that mentality that's out there about, you know, just what a label is and why does it matter? Well, you know, listen, I live with somebody that we're in a tribe together, but we don't agree about every single thing. There's yeah. many things that in my own family, there's love and respect, but we don't have to agree about the ways of the world 100%. And, and we have lit, we do live in a place because social media is not a place for nuanced conversation. We we're, we're, we're doing away with any kind of, uh, you know, kind of civil discord where it's like, hey, we can even agree to disagree, but I respect you and I care for you. Um, so I, I guess for me, it would be, you know, that notion of not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. But ha that's why we have people that are different than us. And we need to come together because it is important to see other points of view and other people's um, perspectives in life and to be able to do that. Again, it doesn't mean you have to agree and they don't have to agree with you. Um, and so within that, maybe there's just a, a sort of a social immaturity where it's like, 
okay, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear anything that is in a hundred percent agreement. Well, good luck. You know, I, I, I can barely agree with myself all the time. So I, 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 I'll be interested to see if that pendulum of overcorrection or transition into technology, I think that's also what's happening. If, if it sort of finds a better place. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I, I, the, the, the quote that I've written about this come to my mind so many times when I listen to all these stories, is just kindness is inclusive. So how are we teaching our kids to, to show up and just be kind and look around and see if someone needs something and come from that space and not like the judgment doesn't have to be there. I think if our children are lucky enough to have the space, I just had a recent conversation with my youngest daughter about this. If they are fortunate enough to have space, because a lot of kids, maybe they're just in survival mode um, that you talk to them about seeing it from another person's point of view. Like, well, why would they say that, believe that or act that way? Well, if you just took two seconds and see like, how are they, what house do they live in? Who is their mom or dad or, or if they have one? And, and so it's not the sake of empathy for empathy. It's, it's having a greater understanding of where the person, why would they be coming from that point? And, and, you know, just to model to them, to appreciate that, that they're coming from that point and that, for me personally, one conversation we have in this house a lot, in my house a lot is it's not that I don't care about nice. I really do care about manners. I don't care about nice, but I do care about kindness. And yeah. so it's like, hey, listen, you don't have to walk around trying to please everybody or make everybody like you, especially having daughters. That's not what I'm interested. That's not an interesting message to me. What's interesting is try to be kind, try to see it from someone else's point of view it, can you respond not in anger first, because that's really fear and, and just, you know, do your best because I, I do think when we do that and, and also eyeball to eyeball, the problem is, is when we're trying to have all these conversations online or on text yeah. or through a DM, it's amazing. And it's the oldest thing, right? If you sit across from somebody and you look in each other's eyes, even when you think you're in such a big disagreement, you're usually not. And so I always encourage my girls and two of them are pretty much adults at this point. um, And they do this on their own is if it's a real thing, then talk to the person. Yeah, that's so, so true. Um, I just said that to my dad the other day. I said, dad, you know, kids can text stuff that they could never say to your face. And it's a lost art. And it's something that is, you know, as we, as, as we grow that it, it needs to be emphasized even more these days because we're all have walking around texting everything with the phone in our hand all the time. And also it's like, we're not feeling the vibration. We're not, we aren't looking into the other person's face to be like, they're not a bad person. We're, we're just not understanding one another right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're speaking my language on the vibration and the levels of consciousness. And that's, what's so cool about this healing path and the, the growth path that, you know, we're all invited on. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of how are you going to accept the invitation? Yeah. And everybody has a different response to that and that's okay. Yeah. But man, the things that you learn and like I say, so many of the, the topics that you grab onto and you hit on one with the people pleasing and, and girls and raising three girls, like how have you navigated some of that, that dialogue about people pleasing? Well, they, de- none of them really suffer that, that much. My middle did for a while. She's very empathetic, but, uh, yeah, I wish they've suffered a little more. I'm trying to please. <laughs> please, trying to please. Yeah. I'm joking. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> I think it's, you know, listen, not trying to squish their 
spirit and sort of, you know, I, I don't know. I, I very seldom have ever said anything like, well, that's how we do it in this house. I think I, we've tried to create a, a decently open at age appropriate times room for people to have opinions and opinions yeah. that I don't, or my husband even necessarily agree with, but it's like, put your words together, figure out how to plead your case and let's at least hear it. And because they're, that's what we're doing, right? They're going to go off into the world and they're going to have to have those conversations. And again, it, for me, it goes, especially girls, and I'm not saying girls are smarter, but on the emotionality and that kind of nuance, little girl, I mean, it starts early. So they're watching your every move and even how we speak to them. And that practice of how we approach them when something isn't going well, or we feel like we need to correct behavior or discipline them, or we're frustrated and they come at us with something. So I think there's a lot of opportunities for us in there to just show them what it looks like. And again, they're young people are smart and, uh, and they'll get it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really cool to hear you talk and knowing, you know, what you and Laird have accomplished in life and then having three girls that are, you know, almost adults or are adults. How did you come to terms with some of that, the expectation of what your kids are versus mm -hmm. letting them, helping them discover who they are? It's an interesting thing because, and I say this like with nothing attached to it, they never talk about like parental disappointment. And the reason I say that is there's this fantasy when they hand you your baby, because it's it's sort of like an unlimited possibility. All the possibilities are there, right? Like, oh, they can be a rocket scientist. They could be, you know, Olympic athlete, whatever the weird stuff is that we think somehow uh, reflects success. Um, and then you get to know your kid and you get to meet who this person is and you realize like, oh yeah, that's right. They have their own journey. And there are moments as parents where we feel disappointed. We feel like, uh, oh my God, why did they have to go through that? And this happened to them and they did this. And you, you feel disappointed because you, you're so protective of them and you, you also see maybe how smart they are or talented or good at something. And they're going to choose to express that in a really different way than your, what you would do. Right. And this is the real opportunity when people talk about surrender, uh, you know, I, words like surrender and bliss are, are kind of fall on deaf ears with me. Like, I'm like, what? <laughs> but in parenting, I'm still working on the bliss part, but I'm parenting. I understand because my job is to love them and be the best example I can and, and listen when I'm needed. Um, but as far as me living through them or trying to structure it for them, um, you know, that's silly. And that was my own immaturity. Yeah, that's it. That is, it's such a big one. And you see it through club sports today or at school or on the license plate is like, my kid is this. And it's like, you know what? Just it's it's what one of the golden nuggets that I've realized is it's not the moments that they win something or get a scholarship or get a shout out for something. It's the moments that they are able to call you when it's the absolute shit. Yeah. And you get the call and then you're like, oh, that's why I'm here. Or when you witness them as a person, like I, I have a daughter who's 
she's the youngest and she is sometimes socially not that uh it's hard a little harder for her mm -hmm. but i remember taking her someplace and i was sitting in the car waiting and she went to go into the to the i think it was like a coffee place and somebody was going and she opened the door and and every time i've ever seen her she always opens the door for somebody and holds it for them right and it's like yeah okay you know like it's it's really the small things about can they care for themselves do they know how to lay out some boundaries down can they can they yeah. you know protect themselves can they communicate and ask for what they need and want can they be a good friend to somebody it's like those are the things and usually and i can speak from personal experience most people that are hyper successful are screwed up in some way they're over we're over they're overcompensating like you're such a champion it's like yeah because mm -hmm. i was afraid for my life, you know? So it's yeah. just people, I think sometimes we don't realize what's the driver of a lot, of, not all, of course, you just got some really smart people that come up with stuff and you go, okay, congratulations. But a lot of people that are weirdly successful have a, something that they're working through. You are grabbing onto something so huge right there that I has, has become so evident to me um, over the course of my life really is that real firm understanding of what our nervous system is doing for us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being married to, <laughs> I, I watched those videos and I'm like, how is this guy alive? Right. <laughs> and you, you know, rising to the levels that you have risen to and figuring out how our nervous system and regular learning how to regulate it. And that's part of what I loved about S XPT is I grabbed onto Brian McKenzie's work from that and I've been going on that ever since. Mm -hmm. And that ability to w widen that window of tolerance and create that safety within ourself to actually perform from an authentic space that's sustainable. Yeah. And what you're hitting on there is like, where are we coming from when we hit these and uh, hit these high highs? And how long can we keep it up? And that's part of what I why I love watching what you guys do through your businesses and the, the type of products that you put out because it really is figuring out those little things that help us and help our nervous system operate from a safe space that we can perform for longevity. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, did that develop, how did that develop over time? I was joking with a friend of mine recently about, you know, we all go, oh, my childhood. And then you realize like, Oh, no, wait a second. I, we are all come into this world. And, uh, you know, like someone said to me once, we're wounded in a very specific way, each of us. And it is our job to heal those wounds. And that is part of the deal, right? That the, the, the deal isn't to like make that, oh, this, all this bad stuff happened to me. It's like, yeah, no, that's what's supposed to happen somehow, whatever that means. And, um, and our job is to use that for homework to, you know, work on some things. And then what you're, then the hope is, is that the motivation and your whys become rooted in something that you feel passionate about or that you can get behind, not because you're trying to prove something or you're scared for your life um, or you want to, you know, beat everybody, um, but that it go, you go, oh, well, wait a second, I seem to have this tendency to be pretty good at these kinds of things. So this is one of the things I can put into my community and my world. And then what excites me? What could I wake up every day and work really hard for? 
um, and, and try to make the gift of opportunity and the gift to even know some of the things that you like or even have a skill set and wake up each day and do your best to to follow those leads and 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 do that. So whether it's in your personal life or in your professional life, when you can really marry that, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty big luxury. Yeah, it is. And yet you also see that the things that you, you know, it, it, it's all connected. You know, the thing the way that you conduct your family life, your it's it, your business is the same, your you know, how you talk to your kids, how you talk to your friends. It's it you know, it all it all evolves and it, it it's all connected. In the health and wellness space, there's so much out there. There's so many tips. There's so many to-dos. And they're connected to, you know, how we all, how we can live longer, feel better, and enjoy the, the living that we're doing, not just getting old. But what are your, and you talk about so many of these things. You've had so many interesting guests on your podcast. But like, if you could pick three things that you know are just fundamental to mm-hmm. you feeling good every day. Mm-hmm. What do you think those things are? For me, I mean, from a superficial standpoint, uh, I, I need to train. Uh, it doesn't have to be every day. I just need to train throughout my week consistently. I need to have that outlet. Um, obviously, you know, the, the, the notion of nutrition, I think as you go deeper into performance, you start to realize that nutrition and sort of sh- stress management, it's like, which one's more important, probably managing stress, but let's just say how incredibly paramount both of those are and um, equally, because you can eat perfect and move perfect. And if you're a head case um, and stressed out about everything and then stress out about how you're eating and moving and all the metrics, it's a no-go. So um, I think it, for me, it's, it's those things. And, and then feeling connection, you know, and you hear that all the time, people like my tribe, my this, but like really, and then not a lot of people, it doesn't have to be a lot. It's just knowing that there's someone there for you. If, you know, it's like you said that earlier about your child, like there's someone to call. And I think that that notion of, of having connection is, is really important. And then on a more superficial level, I do need to have a mission, a challenge. I, I need a purpose. I can't, just kind of float through my day and be like, Oh, cute. Let's go shopping. It's like, I really want to participate and have challenges and and goals and tasks. Um, Ones that I believe in not busy for the sake of busy. Um, So those are, those are the things that really are grounding for me, um, which are really superficial. And I mean, on the kind of more exterior side of it. Um, And if you, you know, if you said to me, Hey, truncate, um, the things that are the most important that have shown up over and over in the hundreds of conversations I've had, whether it's endocrinologists, uh, psychologists, dermatologists, cardiologists, whatever you name it. The exciting thing that I've heard over and over is that if we're managing our health, let's say, and I put that in air quotes because health is a, it's a broad um, definition. It, they, it's still from the body's point of view comes down to very all the same things over and over. So whether I'm feeling crazy or I want to manage, you know, my weight, it's pretty much the same thing or avoid chronic disease. It's, it is chronic inflammation, right? It's right. St- staying insulin sensitive. It's figuring out if my microbiome for the most part is in good shape. Um, yep. It's mitochondrial, you know, 
kind of function, it's metabolic function, healthy metabolic function. And the last thing is it is community. And if people can kind of get on top of that, they generally can avoid a lot of things as far as just, you know, health um, going forward. So whatever that looks like for people, you know, if you're a vegan or vegetarian or keto, if you like to only be outside, if you like to bang iron, you know, whatever that is. Um, and the only other thing I say about that too, is to keep, a keep an open mind, not bounce all over the place. You have to have a practice, but keep an yeah. open mind, try new things, explore. And, and then finally, um, cause we don't really know anything. And, and then, and then finally just, um, just, I don't want to say be more playful, but some type of play and joy as we continue. Yeah. That is, that's, that's a big one that's come through a lot for me lately. You know, you talk to a lot of ex-athletes, if we stay playing the sport that we knew how to play, it frustrates us. But if you pick up something, pick up something new, you know, I think that's part of the, the, I think that's part of the pickleball craze right now. Right. Um, But it is, it's that, that sense of picking up something new that you don't expect yourself to be good at. Yeah. And then realize that the benefit that, I mean, I've felt the brain benefits. I've felt just the, the fun, the lack of, of putting the pressure on yourself. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah, I've had a yep. lot of people talking about that lately. And there's another one, cause you're hitting on the mindfulness piece, you know, as crazy as all the things that we're all trying to do to feel better and, you know, stay healthy. There's the slowing down and that, you know, I, I hear a lot of athletes, I'm really into yoga and that's been a huge part of my healing journey, but I, I used to say, I can't do yoga. And a lot of athletes will come through and say like, oh no, I need to work out. And that concept of slowing your mind down, how, how, how do you do that? That one's harder for me, for sure. Uh, I think I use the sauna and, and pool training. Listen, the reality is with pool training is if you don't know how to start sometimes from a downregulated place, you actually wouldn't even get through half the drill. So weirdly within my training, luckily we sort of have built in uh, pockets of, oh, you have to figure out how to calm down and, and not, not kind of fake it or look it, but like for real, because you'll be underwater with no air and you won't be able to get through this drill if you're ramped up because you will burn through the oxygen that you have in your bloodstream. So there have been, I have sort of incorporated practices. I think honestly, I know it sounds crazy having kids, I mean, I, there are so many times that I just want to, you know, flip my shit and I'm like, yeah, that's probably not going to be the best way. So through time, even within that, it's having that moment where it's like, oh, now we're, now we're, we're seeing if the skill is working. Um, Can you, can you find the way to actually stay calm? Right. uh, When, when you're not feeling like that's what you'd like to do. Um, so I think even within that, it's sort of saying, well, okay, how's my practice going here? It is, you know, as a female athlete, and then having raised three girls, there's something that I've also learned through a lot of these conversations that I've had and some of the work that we've put out here, but it's really about the female hormone cycle and not knowing, I didn't know growing up how to maximize my athletic performance Mm -hmm. because all these things were going on in my body that I didn't understand that it related to how I felt, how I ate, how I looked at the world, all the things like, you know, how you show up every day. 
have you had any um, training or understanding of how that works? And did you know that as a, as a younger athlete? Because it's something that really amazes me that we didn't know, or I didn't know. Oh, no, I had no clue. Uh, about that for sure growing up and I mean I mean now I'd say I'd, I'd lean towards like a Dr. Stacy Sims for the best person for how to perform real performance females um, which parts of your cycle to do what there is also real conversation around younger athletes working on skills versus developing power early because of their hormones and their development where boys are getting their muscles and their ligament tendon strength is different where until a girl's maybe around to about 16 ish that younger than that, it's like, Hey, work on the skill of dribbling a soccer ball or other. All right. Now let's start to try to add time under tension and, and lift weights because the joints and the growth plates and such are ready for that. So, and then what's happening during throughout the cycle? When should you eat a few more calories because you're in a different phase of your cycle and such? So I certainly didn't know any of, of that and, um, and even appropriate supplementation for athletes and for younger people. And um, yeah, no, I, I had no clue. I, I really do like um, Stacey Sims for that for women because that's exactly what she studies. Awesome. I'll have to check that out because it, it's a fascinating topic and, you know, it's really cool to see what female athletes know now and have access to. I mean, that is the mm -hmm. upside of all of this, you know, connectiv connectivity and the science and the, the, the ease of how we pass it around now. Yeah. And that's why I love the podcast world so much. I was, I, it's so much more refreshing in the news, right? I mean, there's all of these minds. I, I have, I shifted straight into the wisdom here is just so much better. Yeah. And that, and the people are willing to share it. So, you know, that's, that's been a topic that's really amazed me yeah. in, in just being able to feel better at, at any age, really. Yeah. So I think she's the most progressive for performing females. That's for example, why a lot of performing females perform better uh, fed, not fasted. For example, that comes mm. from AC Sims. Um, if you're a premenopausal or menopausal woman, you have to really navigate fasting differently. I mean, there's a lot of nuance because studies were only done on men until 1996. And so a lot of information uh -huh. people are spreading around are, are for have been done on men. And now they're really catching up um, with some of the science and data, which I think is very exciting. And then um, there is a woman named, uh, she has a the flow, it's uh, Elisa Vitti. So for mm -hmm. like, and I, I don't want to say civilians, but Stacey yeah. really performance. Elisa Vitti is excellent for getting you to understand exactly what is happening in your body at which time during the month of your cycle. She does a great job of breaking it down. And I'm um, like, oh, why do you have cravings? Well, this is what's happening. Um, she even jokes about how, um, you know, we're, we're supposedly more, uh, you know, mad or bitchy during certain mm -hmm. parts of the variable because progesterone's low. But what she does say is that in some ways, that's actually how we really feel. So rather than nuking everything that first month, keep a notebook and write it down. And if the thing shows up three months in a row, like about a relationship, maybe someone at work, something, then maybe it's important to take a look at it. So there's some shift. There's some people out there doing some really interesting work around that. The biggest focus of what I'm doing here on this podcast is really just generational learning. And mm -hmm. I love topics that cross generations. I have always notice that whenever I get a group of friends together, I have 
multiple decades of people all relating to each other. And we all have something to learn from each other, which is just the coolest thing. It's not the old people. It's not just the old people teaching the young people. It's, it's right. young teaching the old and creating the safe space to do it yeah. and being able to do it in a fun way where people can kind of, you know, joke and make fun of each other and like not passive aggressive, but just fun, you know? Yeah. And so one of the questions I ask everybody that comes on my podcast is what's a piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Oh my goodness. Well, I think there's a few things in my sporting life. I would have told myself, uh, to just be as big as you can be. I think, um, as a larger at six foot three late to the game, um, I was just trying to, in some ways early on, stay out of the way. And it's like, no, take up as much space. And that's your job. That's what you're doing when you're on that square. It's okay to be fully inside that part of your personality. I joke that if you meet a girl who has had a lot of older brothers, they do this easier because they've been in that language more. Um, and so winning and wanting to win and doing all that doesn't make you a bad person. Cause I was trying to always consider other people. It's like hard to do. So I think I would have told myself as an athlete to just to take ownership of it a little more. Um, and, and as a person, I mean, I think it's the oldest one. It's, it's sort of like, listen, listen to yourself, trust your instincts, be honest, work hard, do the best you can. And that's it because you will never make everybody happy and stop trying to use that as the litmus for the guide of what you're trying to do. It's impossible. So really reverse engineer that and back it into yourself and do that and honor yourself. And at the end of the day, that's really the best you could hope for. And there's a quote by uh, my friend Byron Katie, and she says like, hey, what you think of me is really none of my business. And just to live by that a little more. So true. And I, you know, the more I hang out in this healing space, you really do learn that like, it just starts with you. And the ripple effect that whatever you choose to learn and share that it, it gets where it's supposed to go. As yeah. a young adult and a person in business, what I would tell sort of adult business women is don't wait until you're really angry or about something to say something because then it's never usually doesn't come out the way it's supposed to. If there's a problem or an issue, find the way to communicate that from a, a non-emotional place, especially in the workplace, because after all, it is business. It's not personal. And uh, so, so don't wait too long. I think that, that is, that's a gr great piece of advice. I actually haven't heard yet in this space. And I think for women, that's, it's huge because, you know, there's such a stereotype out there and we hear it all the time of like, well, we're not allowed to talk this way, but sometimes it is just coming from an emotional place. And if you see it coming a little and speak up, you're right. That's a good one. Yeah. Because then all of a sudden you've lost your leveraging point because you, you know, people are wait, weeding through your emotions. It's interesting. It's, it's relating to, a, I'm reading a book right now called power versus force mm -hmm. and I it's changing. It's, it's blowing my mind in a lot of ways. And I've, I'm reading it slowly because there's so much there, but yeah. that's, that's resonating with what you're saying right now. So 
Highly recommend checking it out if you haven't read it. It's so good. Are you paying attention to the women's volleyball? Do you, do you pay attention to collegiate women's volleyball at all anymore? Sure. You mean Nebraska? You, the national championship Nebraska. game on Sunday? This mm -hmm. You're going to be my first interview in January, but do you have a call on the game on Sunday? Um, I, I don't. Nebraska versus Texas. That's a tough one. I, I mean, forgive me because I don't know where the tournament is. What city is it in? They're playing in Tampa. The, okay. uh, the, the final four was in Tampa. They were all okay. over the country before that. Yeah. Texas, Texas knocked out Stanford. I was a Stanford fan. I don't know. But I think Texas has a very good chance if, you know, for some reason, obviously Nebraska has those fans. Um, either way, I think it's a, that's a hard, that's a hard call. Yeah. It's going to be an amazing game. And yeah. for, I'm six feet tall. You're six feet three, mm -hmm. six foot three. Do you know their front line, the Nebraska front line? Six, nine, six, five, yeah. six, seven, I think. That That's in maybe one, like one and a half of the rotations. I'm, you know. But just to see where the, where the game has literally grown to, not oh. to mention the, the, the fans and the incredible things it's doing for women's sports and all the girls out there, they get to follow this and, you know, let it energize them. I, I'm loving it, but. Well, I think it's, uh, I always joke with my friends. I have a lot of friends that obviously played collegiate ball and professional. And um, we always joke that we're so glad we played when we played because these girls are so um, big, strong and athletic that you, you kind of ask yourself like, would I have been able to play today? You know, it's all of that. So it's really, it's really cool to see. Yeah. Obviously just skills keep getting better and everybody's yeah, yeah the, the game just keeps rising and it is so fun to watch. So I will watch this. I will watch the men's season and I just volleyball is something that I have yet to, to separate from because it just brings me so much joy. So where can people get in touch with you? Obviously, you know, the Laird Superfood, all the things that you guys oh, do. What's the, what's you. the best thing? I, I'm a big fan. So what's, where's the best place to find all of your things? Oh, thanks for saying that, Wendy. Um, yeah, so we do have a coffee creamer food business, uh, Laird Superfood. Um, Gabby Reese pretty much will get you either to my podcast, The Gabby Reese Show. Um, that's all my social media. So I'm I'm not that hard to find. Yeah, you're um, definitely not hard to find. <laughs> uh, yeah, but certainly if anyone ever needs me, they can actually, if you wrote a note to info at uh, GabbyReese.com, it eventually will actually get to me for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You've got yeah. some good people working for you. I love it. Nobody works for me. With you. you I go. get it. I get it. I've got two of them in the other room and they're just awesome humans. That's I right. love, I love collaboration. So good. Yeah. So, yeah. So good. Well, thank you so much for doing this on a Friday afternoon. And like I said, this will be, we're going to launch the new year with this uh, podcast. I will give you one last food for thought since you really like the idea of generational um, sharing. Mm -hmm. I just recently spoke to two women, um, Grace Puma and a woman, uh, uh, Christiana Smith-Shee, and they wrote a book mm. called career forward. And these are two very high powered women who've been in the corporate world, uh, McKinsey, Nike, uh, Pepsi and company craft. They're on the boards of a number of very big companies. Anyway, my point of telling you and sharing this to you is anyone who's interested in a business side of things. Um, this is an excellent book. It, it has uh, quizzes and takeaways after every chapter. And I find it highly measured. Yes, they are 
specifically talking to women because they are women. But I will say that it would be actually good for anyone going out in the workforce because it's all about um, what you can do and what you can control. And um, I, it's, a, it's just, it's sort of taking 60 years of shared experience between the two of them and truncating it for all of us to use. So I just want to share that with your audience because I think uh, they did an excellent job. So the book's career forward yeah. and the last are she and Kumal. Mm -hmm. amazing okay great yeah i do i love that passing down of wisdom and helping people learn things younger than we learned it it's it's key oh, and yeah. it's amazing when people are willing to share it so if they're talking about feminism like real feminism yeah yeah those two women did it for sure oh gosh hasn't that been a great conversation in the last i mean when you read with justice o'connor passing away and the reading what her experience was like there is a lot to be shared with the next generation on where we have come from for me i appreciate um thoughtful consolidated um strategic and uh not a whole lot of uh whining so it's really good amen good stuff you've raised i can tell if that's the what goes down in your house that's three strong girls so that's oh. amazing yeah they've passed me by now isn't that cool to watch? I, I say the same thing all the time. It's 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 awesome. So it's part of the journey. It's That's so fantastic. Yeah, it's the job. Absolutely. Well, thank you again so much. This was so happy much New fun. Happy yeah, New happy New Year. Merry okay. Christmas. Enjoy the holidays and um, thanks for we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us on what I meant to say. Another production of Inspired Edutainment brought to you by Be Better Media.